This is an AMI podcast. This is an AMI podcast. You're listening to the Kitchen Confession podcast with Chef Mary Mamalidi. My mother married a grain farmer. Her and my stepdad would come to Vancouver to visit me and we would go to very fancy grocery stores. But Bob would be just aghast at the quality of lentils, for example, in the bulk bins. He could tell that they were Canadian because he saw grasshopper remnants in them. No. <laughs> he said that if he produced those lentils on his farm, they would be deemed animal feed. When we go to a very expensive grocery store in a very expensive city here in Canada, and the options are, frankly, quite poor, it sparked a light bulb in my head that we could be doing so much better. That's Jenna Bishop. She's the co-founder of the popular mill and bake florist in Vancouver, Canada. Welcome, Jenna. Thanks for coming on the show. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I want to jump right in and I want to get into the co-founders of Florist. So tell us a bit about yourself and Shira. Were you both in the food industry prior to opening up Florist? Yeah, we have an interesting story. Um, Shira is my co-founder. She has been in the food industry in various capacities since she was very, very young. Everything from working in specialty health food stores, uh, premium grocery, specialty coffee. She's She's been in and around food her, her entire career. And I actually don't come from a food background at all. I come from a clothing design background. Um, but I grew up in the prairies. I grew up very connected to the agricultural community, even though I am from Calgary, but I have a lot of family roots in farming in the Canadian prairies. And so I grew up around a different kind of food. It wasn't necessarily the the commercial or the consumer side of food, but more on the supply chain side. So yeah, we, we, um, we came together to make this business with very, very different backgrounds. Um, but both have served us very well. Let's talk a little bit about florist. What does florist do? Flourist sources whole grains and whole legumes from Canadian family farms. So that could be wheat, it could be chickpeas or lentils with traceability, mostly organic. And then from there, mill the grains into flour and sell that flour online. We deliver to homes all over North America. We also operate a mill and bakery here in Vancouver, like you mentioned. So in this at the bakery, we we use that flour to bake sourdough bread, pastry. We host baking classes, pasta making classes. We really want to connect home cooks, home bakers with the ingredients that they use. We want to tell the stories of where they come from. We want to help people get the most of those ingredients and find success and confidence in their in their home baking and cooking adventures. And we want to provide as much inspiration as we can. But yeah, the 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 core element is sourcing really quality goods and then telling those stories in every way that we can. And is that what makes your mill so different from others? The mill is absolutely the the cornerstone in it and it helps us really differentiate what you can buy from us and what's available everywhere. Um, stone milling is is something that has been done for hundreds and hundreds of years all over the world in different ways. So the mill crashes the grain. It incorporates all of the elements, even the elements that eventually will make the product perishable. So what that is, is the oil, the germ, everything that 
makes flour so special, magical, digestible, (laughs) flavorful, we keep it in there. And most flour needs to remove that because it is, it is that, that element of grain that, that goes bad. So stone milling preserves that. We incorporate that throughout Throughout the flour, we either sift off the largest element, the largest particles of bran to create a sifted product, more like a white flour, although it's nothing like white flour, (laughs) Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. or or we leave it completely whole grain and we get to, you know, taste the full magic experience, the full health benefits that come in each kernel of grain. So yeah, the mill for us is, is really what signifies the difference in our, in our operations, both at the bakery and you know, and the flour that we produce for people at home. What was the inspiration for opening the business? Yeah, this is an interesting story. I mean, my mother married a grain farmer when I was about 18 and she moved to Saskatchewan. She, she kind of went back to her roots. She's from Saskatchewan originally, but she moved back to Saskatchewan and I moved to Vancouver to go to design school and kind of start my life here on the coast. And um, her and my stepdad, Bob is his name, would come to Vancouver to visit me. And we would go to very fancy grocery stores <laughs> because mm-hmm. I love cooking and, you know, they're, uh, they're just looking for the experience, the city experience. And I'm not going to name any names, but, right. <laughs> but Bob would, would be just aghast at the quality of lentils, for example, in the bulk bins, and then paired that with the the price that consumers were paying. He truly could not understand where this product was coming from and who was taking all the money because he knows what he gets paid for his lentils in a commodity market. He could tell that they were Canadian because he saw grasshopper remnants in them. No. (laughs) Yeah. And this is very common in our kind of commodity dry goods. Yeah. He said that if though, if he produced, if he, if he tried to sell those lentils on his farm, they would be deemed feed. They would be deemed animal feed. They would not be fit for the international commodity market. And we have to understand that Canada ships, we ship our products all over the world. Canada grows some of the best grains, legumes, highly, highly coveted product that we supply the whole world with. And so when we go to a very expensive grocery store in a very expensive city here in Canada, and the options are frankly quite poor, um, yeah, it sparked a light bulb in my head that we could be doing so much better. So you are, your business is basically, would it be comparable to farm to table movement? Absolutely. I mean, the farm to table movement, we saw it everywhere in almost every category Mm -hmm. of our plate. Um, but yeah, dry goods were missing. I didn't feel like there was any voice here for what is essentially a huge part of our diet. If we think of all the flour products we eat, bread, pasta, um, yeah, grains, any grains that we're cooking, mm-hmm. whole grains, and then all of the chickpeas, beans, lentils, all of those things, it makes up a big part of the food that we eat. And uh, yeah, there was really no connection point there in that farm to table kind of conversation. And so, yeah, that that's exactly what what we do. Okay. So we're going to play a little bit of an icebreaker, a game. Are you up for it? Yes, absolutely. Excellent. So we're going to play this or that. Okay. Morning person or night owl? Morning. Definitely. Chocolate or vanilla? Chocolate, 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 chocolate every time. 
So it's chocolate then. <laughs> it, would, it would be chocolate. <laughs> give up sugar or give up salt? Oh, give up sugar. Very much of <gasps> the salt. Salty oh, can. I'm always on this island alone with this. I, I would never <laughs> give up sugar. Fries or onion rings? Definitely fries. These are easy. These are these are very easy for me. Fries all the way. Really? I love this. <laughs> grilled cheese or mac and cheese? Can I stump you with this one? No, grilled cheese. Grilled cheese. Bread. Bread and gooey melted cheese. <laughs> yes, you're a woman who knows what she likes. Yes. Now, I know you have many things to your business, but I wanted to talk a little bit about the different types of grains and flowers that you mill and that you carry, because there's some very unique ones. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. We've been so sort of honored that farmers have reached out to us in the beginning. It was a lot of us convincing them that <laughs> they should try. And I was going to ask them, yeah, how <laughs> difficult was that at the beginning to convince them to say, hey, this is the idea we have. Are you interested? Yeah, it was hard. It, it was definitely, I mean, farmers in Canada are used to dealing with a very large commodity market. And that means they sell almost their entire crop uh, to one buyer and they've sent some really big trucks and their crop is gone in one fell swoop. And it gets completely amalgamated with all products that are deemed to be of similar quality. And it's moved around the world that way. So for us to say, mm -hmm. hi, farmer, <laughs> we'd, we'd really <laughs> like you to do some like extra labor for us in, in portioning off a small amount of your grain. And we're going to send a truck and you have to load the grain onto the truck and we're going to, we're going to bring it to Vancouver. So um, yeah, lots of people thought we were, you know, nuts. Well, tell me you got snapshots of their face when you said this. <laughs> well, it was mostly phone calls, but I mean, luckily, I mean, my, my connections helped. There was, you know, one of our farmers that we still work with today was like the brother of my uncle's college roommate or something. <laughs> right. Right. So luckily people in Saskatchewan really in the, in the prairies and I'd say Canadians in general are, are pretty generous with, those friends of friends. So I, I definitely leveraged those connections as much as I could. And that's how we started. I had to leverage those connections. Um, but since then, and as our brand has grown, farmers have reached out to us. We have made different connections and it has allowed us to put together an assortment of grains and flowers that are, I think, really unique and really special. So um, we start with our really basic ones, uh, which is our Red Spring. Canada is known for its bread flour. It's a very high performance wheat. It makes amazing bread. It's what we use to make all of our bread in the bakery. And it probably, although you'd never know, makes up the bulk of what would be in all-purpose flour found on the shelves right now. Although it's probably a blend of multiple grains and they, there's no traceability into what those are. Um, it's just, mm -hmm. it's just all purpose flour. <laughs> um, so, right, okay. so we start with sifted, we start with our red spring offered in both sifted and whole grain varieties. That's probably our best seller. Um, and then we have red fife and red fife is a very ancient grain, um, that kind of fell out of use with the development and the modernization of red spring. But red fife is really different. It's not as high performance for bread baking, but it makes beautiful cookies and cakes and pancakes and muffins and all those things that kind of make up the backbone of anyone baking with kids or doing any sort of just sort of family baking. Yeah. Or bakes like myself because I have a sweet tooth. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. 
I compare that to an, to a typical all purpose. So red spring would be our bread flour or a bread wheat and red fife is more of the, the all purpose. It's more forgiving too. You know, if you're making a batch of muffins, the red spring, even if you give it one extra mix, one extra turn of the spoon, those muffins are going to be bricks because that gluten is highly reactive and wants to be bread. Whereas red fife is more forgiving. So you can just let that go a bit. And then um, also offered and sifted in whole grain. And then we get into more of the, the specialty wheats. So we've got spelt, einkorn, rye. We have um, a new grain to us, which is marquee, which is a, it was a very popular milling and bread baking wheat in the early 1900s. It won awards. It was developed um, at a university in Saskatchewan. Um, and then again, it kind of fell out of favor as more modern wheats were developed, but we're really loving marquee for bread baking as a, as an alternative to red spring. Um, and then we have our Durham, uh, which we mill into as close as we can get to a double O, uh, for pasta making. Um, yeah, I think that captures the full flower assortment. And then, you know, einkorn might not be familiar to many. It's a the oldest variety of wheat that they can really track back all the way hundreds and hundreds of years. The very, I think it's the very first wheat that was ever cultivated and it's an incredibly soft wheat. It doesn't, it's not easy to make bread with at all. We don't offer it in a sifted variety because the brand just mills down into this beautiful powder. Um, you don't need to, you don't need to sift it at all. The whole grain version is perfect. It's incredibly nutty. We use it at the bakery in cookies. Um, and a beautiful gateau basque or cookie tart. It just, the flavors are just amazing. Um, we have, we have made bread with it. And when einkorn is fermented, it has almost like a, takes on almost like a mushroomy quality. It's very savory, very good with charcuterie really? or cheese. Yeah. It's fascinating. Very surprising. Um, when you ferment, uh, the einkorn bread. I'm really curious about the different flavors of it. I mean, does it add or enhance any of the other ingredients that you're adding into these? So for example, if you're using, you mentioned that the einkorn has a, a nutty flavor to it. Do the others, are they very neutral or do they all have their own very distinct flavoring? You know, there's a difference too, between fermenting the grain, you, you will get a different profile than if you say mix it with butter, like in a pastry. Um, spelt, for example, is quite bright. It lends like a like you don't want to go so far as citrusy, but it does have a brightness to it compared to the, the nuttiness of einkorn. Red fife is quite nutty. Rye is actually quite spicy. I would say like when we mill rye and it comes right off the, the mill, it smells like cinnamon. It has like a very aromatic quality and it pairs so well with chocolate and those like yeah, it's a beautiful, beautiful grain. <laughs> so yeah, they definitely do. And red spring can have, you know, people don't really like the, to think of it as bitter, but it does have this like very sort of sharpness to it, which works beautifully in bread, but they all do have their own character for sure. And again, we're not standing there. We're not tasting the the flowers on their own. They're just mixing in with the ingredients, which you get that little hint of it. I love it because it adds to every recipe. So it adds a little layer, another layer to every recipe. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it, your baking takes on a whole other element, um, especially when you compare it to, to, you know, commercially produced flowers, you, where you just, you know, you can't really identify any flavor in that flower. It's very much just a medium for flavor. Exactly. 
And what I love is your website is phenomenal because it is loaded with information, recipes. And I have to say this because you've got your lists on there, which is your everyday flowers and your specialty flowers divided. You've got a beginner's guide to florist flower, which I absolutely love. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. I mean, this is complicated. This is new to everyone, right? Like we're just not used to thinking of flower in these terms. So part of what we wanted to do to make it approachable was provide all these resources. What are the different grains? How can we help people make these choices? Lots of people come to us being like, I have no idea where to start. So we definitely want to provide as much of that as we can. I'm Mary Memlini, and you're listening to the Kitchen Confession Podcast. Today, I'm talking with Jenna Bishop. She's the co-founder of the popular mill and bakery, Flourist in Vancouver, Canada. Let's talk a little bit about your cooking style. How would you describe your cooking style? My cooking style is quite functional. So um, at the end of the day, I'm mostly preparing meals, breakfast, lunches, dinners uh, for my husband and my four-year-old son. Um, I definitely, that is, you know, my responsibility in the the home is mostly just making sure the fridge has the food that it needs to make the three meals a day, which, you know, at times feels quite oppressive. I can't believe really we need to feed ourselves that many times a day. (laughs) Um, so, um, yeah, my, my cooking style is very functional. It's, it's primarily vegetarian. Um, we eat a lot of, we eat mostly vegetarian at home. Um, So yeah, a lot of things like pasta, stir fries, tacos, (laughs) a lot of those family meals. This has changed a lot. I mean, as I became a parent and and the business became more demanding, I just had to sort of streamline what I was doing in the kitchen and and kind of come up with a, a routine of things that I could confidently and quickly get on the table. And you doing more batch cooking as a result of that? I try to, but everyone in my family is quite large eaters. So every time I try to, every time I think I'm making enough for leftovers and things like that, I um, I'm always surprised. <laughs> yeah. What are some really unique recipes that you've tried or you want to try? Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, I like I've I've become more interested in experimenting with pasta, homemade pasta. So um, just a, a couple of weeks ago, I made kind of our, a Sardinian pasta, um, a sort of a short, a short shape pasta that you roll out on a gnocchi board. So it's called gnocchetti actually, but it's, um, it's egg free. I was really surprised. I've never made pasta without eggs before, but it worked out really, really well. And it was really simple, easy, kind of meditative. I loved it. My four-year-old got involved. It was great. Nice. What are some of your favorite bakery recipes? Oh, great question. Um, well, I mean, the thing I eat most from the bakery is always the bread. So we're, we're constantly rotating through, through our classic loaves at the bakery. Um, but if I'm looking for a treat, the cinnamon buns that we make, the sourdough fermented cinnamon buns with cream cheese icing are delicious. I, <laughs> I can't get that. enough. I'm yeah, so sad they're... I'm not in Vancouver. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> they're worth the trip, I tell you. Um, yeah, they're really special. And also I, I mentioned it, the Einkorn uh, cookie tart that we, that our baker developed, Tommy. Um, it's 100% Einkorn. It has a layer of custard in the middle. It's so flavorful and special and indulgent. 
um, right now we're featuring it with stewed plums and it's just incredibly unique. It's not something you can find everywhere. And I, I really, I really love it. Is there a dish that you will never forget? So either you've made or you've served or have been served. I mean, I really like making soup. I grew up eating a lot of soup. My mom made a lot of homemade soups and I try to incorporate it most weeks in the winter and in the cooler months. One that kind of comes to mind that my mom used to always make is broccoli cheese soup. It Mm. was just so decadent and it felt like, you know, soups can be fairly healthy. They can be fairly good for you, full of vegetables. And this one just felt so indulgent and rich and special. So that has that sort of flavor and, you know, recipe has imprinted in me as something that I'm, I always look forward to. Is there a cherished food memory of yours um, that when you smell it or you see it or you hear a certain sound, it triggers that memory for you? Yeah. My family always made a Norwegian flatbread at Christmas made of potatoes and flour and butter. It's called lefse. And we made it, I mean, we would all get together. So it was aunts, grandparents, my family, cousins, all of us kind of together. We all had a job. It was, you know, a multi-day process to make enough for each family to take home a package of lefse to eat over the holidays or to have enough for everyone to eat during the holidays. And so, yeah, anytime a holiday rolls around, I think about it. And last year was the first year that uh, during COVID that I attempted to make it all by myself. (laughs) I inherited my grandmother's lefse rolling pin, which has grooves in it. So it's very unique. It's beautiful. It it rests in a pride of place on my pegboard in my kitchen. And um, yeah, so it was my first time making it by myself. And I I missed the family, of course, the family element, but it was so nice to have that back in our holiday, at our holiday table. Oh, I love that story. What does Canadian food culture mean to you? Oh, I mean, I think we're so lucky here. I I think about it often with my son because, you know, last night I made a stir fry and I served it with kimchi and he cannot get enough of kimchi And I don't think I tried kimchi until I was 28. So (laughs) um, I think think we're so lucky to have access to all the different cultures of food that we have here, whether it's South Asian, East Asian, African, you know, Central American. I just, I love all those flavors, the Middle East. Um, I love that that is a part of everyday food for us. And I think, that diversity in flavors and just the the different ingredients it draws upon and sort of nothing, you know, he's, he's growing up into a, a food, a world of food where nothing is kind of weird, you know, everything is normal. Everything is, is commonplace. And so for me, Canadian food is just that, you know, mosaic of, of everything we have access to and everything we can celebrate here. Okay. We're going to play rapid fire. Tell us one thing most people don't know about you. Um, I can rotate my hand all the way around on a table. Like it. Ouch. <laughs> yeah, it hurts for many, but not for me. <laughs> Name one thing from your childhood that kids today wouldn't understand. Mr. Dress Up. <laughs> right in his tickle trunk. Absolutely. Oh, I just loved it. Yeah. 
Chester, the pro. <laughs> Favorite ingredient to cook with. Okay, this is going to be kind of funny, but I really love cabbage. <laughs> I put cabbage in yeah. everything. I always have cabbage in my fridge, and um, I think there's, I think it's very underrated. So yeah, cabbage, green cabbage, classic. And are there any curse words that you use in the kitchen? Um, I'm fairly a liberal user of all the curse words. Um, <laughs> yeah, I probably use the F word too much, although I try not to at home because <laughs> little four-year-old years, right. but um, yeah, I probably <laughs> do. Yeah. <laughs> I ask every single one of my guests to share a little kitchen confession with us. So what is your kitchen confession, Jenna? My kitchen confession is that I am a really messy chef and especially <laughs> at home, <laughs> I leave all the cupboard doors open. I never put the lids back on in the ingredients. I leave pots and pans everywhere. Um, I kind of get very singularly focused on my task and it's extremely problematic because I have a very small kitchen. And so <laughs> my husband always is kind of <laughs> one step behind me trying to pick up the pieces if he's paying attention. Otherwise he's left with a huge mess to clean up afterwards. But, um, yeah, I'm unstoppable. I can't, I can't seem to change it. <laughs> I don't think you're alone there. I am sure there are a lot of listeners that are hearing that and going, mm-hmm, I get it. I get it. She's my people. Yeah, it's <laughs> the same thing. Yeah. You just get lost yeah, in definitely. what you're trying to do. And who who is time to close the cupboard doors? You're just going to be back in there in another two minutes. Oh, so. no. You're like my husband. But he's gotten better. He's gotten so much better. And if listeners want to reach out for more information or they want to try your products, how can they find you? Yeah. Thanks, Mary. Um, flowers.com is our main website. Uh, our Instagram is at flowerist. We have a couple of Facebook groups for bakers. Um, you can find us on Facebook at Hey Flowerist. I myself on Instagram am at Jana Bishop with three N's and, um, yeah, always email us info at flowers.com. We love hearing from people. We love answering questions. We'll help you with your baking conundrums. We'll get the bakers on any problems that you might be facing. And yeah, we'd love to hear from people. It's that time. We've reached the end of another show. Did we get your stomach growling? Head over to kitchenconfession.com for more recipes and foodie finds. Plus, you can check out ami.ca forward slash kitchenconfession for all the latest on the podcast. Be sure to leave a rating and review so we can keep bringing you more episodes you'll love. Our producer and editor is Matt Agnew, and I'm your host, Mary Mammolini. Thanks for listening. This was an AMI podcast. For more accessible media, visit AMI.ca.